0: Hey, Reading Lens listener, Jason Banzoff here, producer for the Group Talk Network of Podcasts. I want to talk to you about a few things before we kick off this episode. We're going to be ending 2022 with some great Reading Lens episodes. Then in 2023, we got a treat for you. Reading Lens will become the group takeaways with Nick Lenzi. Nick has some great things lined up, so make sure you keep an eye out for the great things coming out in 2023. We can't wait to put these out. So until then, enjoy this Reading Lens classic. Welcome to Group Talk. Four shows, one podcast from the Small Group Network, focusing on topics relevant to small group ministries. Whether you're in a church of 100 or 10,000, whether you're a volunteer or staff, we want to support, encourage, and equip you to lead well. So relax, listen, and enjoy Reading Lens with Nick Lindsay.
1: Hey, Small Group Network, welcome back to another episode of Reading Lens. We're so glad that you chose the time to hang out with us. I'm Nick Lenzi, and it's an honor to be the host. If you're with us for the first time, welcome. We're so excited that you have joined us, and here is how Reading Lens works. Each month, I have with us a guest who's also a small group's point person share with you insights from books we are reading and what our takeaways were and how we plan to incorporate them into our lives, leadership, and our small groups. To help me with today's book is Peter Englert from Browncroft Community Church in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the show. Peter, I guess welcome back to the show, right, Peter?
2: Yeah, it's uh, great to be representing the home of the garbage plate, so you can
1: Google that. Yeah. So. <laughs> Nice, nice, nice. All right. Peter was on episode eight and we did the book Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss, which I think is a book that's still impacting me. Peter, is it has it been impacting you as well? Is there one takeaway that you remember from that podcast we did a, about a year ago?
2: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is the radio voice. And, you know, you get into these high anxiety situations, which is something that I'm personally working on and physically slowing yourself down to mentally slow yourself down. Um, I think that that's huge. And you we take very conflictive situations and I'm not gonna do my radio voice my nasally upstate New York voice now but you know <laughs> this it, isn't it, your
1: radio voice <clears throat> pretty no, calming
2: no it, you know I I try I try so yeah that's that's, that's mine. awesome what about yours
1: yeah mine I use this all the time and if my wife's listening to this which I hope she is I use this on date night a lot, but he gave this awesome. By the way, Never Split the Difference is less about negotiating. I actually think it's about learning how to listen. I think we have even had a conversation on this because you thought it was about something different. I think it's a whole book on listening, but that's probably because that's one of my weaknesses. But he gives tips on how to help people like engage more in the conversation. And he gives two tips. And one is tell me more or phrases like expand or elaborate for me. And then the other one is to repeat the last three words with an upward inflection. So, you know, Peter, if you're having having a conversation with me and be like, you know, my wife and I were having just a really difficult season in life. Be Like, Oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. You know, we just don't seem to be on the same page. She's more of a night person. I'm a, I'm a morning person. And, um, our schedules just don't line up. Oh, your schedules don't line up. Yeah. Like we just can't get on the same page and we're just like, we've tried to reconcile it and we just can't get there. And, you know, it's just, it's just one of those little tips that I just keep going back to over and over again. It's awesome inside my own group when I hear someone, you know, share a story and you think you've squeezed everything from that orange and you just say, hey, tell me more. And then they go to another level that you didn't expect. So it's it was a great tip from that book that really stood out to me. Oh. I
2: can't I can't give Chris Voss credit for that. My wife's a mental health counselor, so I've got to give uh, her credit for that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> This is very true. So, and I think what I'm most happy about you being you're no longer your recurring guest now, but more importantly, I love friend of the podcast. It is is a title that I think all my reoccurring guests get you know, oh, when wow. they attend more than once, So, Well,
2: thank you. You're a friend too.
1: But Peter, you have your own podcast. Why don't you share with them what, what your podcast is? And
2: Yeah. Podcast is Why God Why. We respond to questions that people don't feel comfortable asking in church. Um, this past summer, we had you on the podcast. We actually collaborated yes. with the Small Group Network. And um, you're probably going to see some more collaboration with the Small Group Network. But um, every episode is a why question. And our target audience is people that come to church once a quarter in their 20s. So they're interested in church, but, you know, Barna recently said this, churches keep thinking people want to know if Christianity is true, whereas Generation Z is asking this question, does it work? So, you know, we're asking questions like, you know, why should I make a career change? You know, why would I have Enneagram goals? That was our number one episode in January, and we're trying to respond (laughs) in real time uh, to all these questions that are coming up, and they don't always fit in a Y way, but what they do is, you know, we help people see that faith and Jesus meets them Monday through Saturday, not just Sunday.
1: Yeah. I also love about your podcast too, that you just have such a great catalog there as well. So like, even if someone jumps in too late, so like, you're just hearing about it now, like being able to go look and see all of the other questions that already been asked, like you're going to find ones that have been uh, helpful. I've really appreciated the episode with Holly Tate was really phenomenal. You had Jeff Henderson as well, which was a really good episode. Uh, Jeff Henderson, I didn't have him. We did his book for the first one. So I was was jealous that you got to talk to Jeff Henderson, which is amazing, though.
2: Jeff Henderson gave me a piece of advice, that podcast that has really helped me through this year. And I asked him, what would be your career goals if you're in your 30s? And he said, focus on your family. And that has Mm -hmm. really guided me and allowed me to say no, because his life story, without getting into it, when the kids left, that's when he made the big changes. So I think that that's really kind of grounded me. So I just wanted to throw that out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I wonder how much that's a part of the culture. I mean, he's he's a former North Point guy. I'm, an, I'm a North Point guy. I'm so grateful. I read the book Choosing to Cheat like mm. ages ago by Andy Stanley when I was in my like 20s. Because just like you, I have a I have a four year old and a one year old. I think we're at the same age, right? Yours is oh, four yeah. and one or three and three? No, and one?
2: four and one. Okay, cool. Um,
1: yeah. um, and just recognizing, like, I'm helpful. I'm grateful for that book that we learned. Um, you know, prioritize your family like that. Like, focus on your family, like you just talked about. Because this season is just so challenging because I have to be home to help at the end of the day and and kind of get the kids off uh, to daycare and stuff like that. So it means that like from seven to nine I'm unavailable and then from five to eight I'm unavailable, which you know, being a groups person and we're trying to meet with people really sucks up the schedule of when you can actually meet with people. But I feel like it's helping to communicate to them like, no, like families are important to all of us. And so I, I think that's a, a, a huge thing that we get by doing that in our 30s and in our roles that we are is is teaching them that same principle, which I think we're gonna get into a little bit with today's book, which is uh, Wooden by John Wooden. Um Peter, do you want to tell them who John Wooden is? The <laughs> cat So first of all,
2: let me just kind of give you a good comparison because some of you are thinking basketball, this is going to be boring. I compare John Wooden to Mr. Rogers, where if you didn't like puppets or you weren't necessarily into children's programming, there's an appreciation for what Mr. Rogers did because he was using his children's program to communicate important societal, even as a pastor, Christian values. And I think that John Wooden's the same way. Basketball became a tool to develop people, develop leaders. Leaders And think about this. He coached Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who I believe is Muslim, changes his name from Lew Alcindor. Bill Walton, who is a hippie. If you watch him on TV today, he's wearing a shirt, (laughs) uh, wearing the tie-dye shirt. So I think think we have a lot to learn from him about leading different personalities. And so don't think just basketball.
1: Yeah. So just to be clear, John Wooden is what most people consider one of the greatest college basketball coach of all time. if not the greatest, he's at least on the route Mount Rushmore, which means he's like top four. So we won't get into the debate whether he actually is the best or not. Um, I I know Peter, you're a huge college basketball guy. So I'm sure you would love to enter into that one, but um,
2: I'm just going to say he he is. is. That's it.
1: Okay, cool. But Hey, I, I want to set the fears. Uh, at ease. If you're not a sports person or you're just like, oh, are going to talk about college basketball this whole time? I promise you we are going to try to relate this to groups as best as possible. I think this is a phenomenal book on just personal leadership and coaching, which is things that we're all in day to day uh, in our roles. Even if you're a group leader, these are things that you're going to be able to pick up. Uh, The other thing about this book that I think is amazing is um, I think this is a really great book for anyone to read uh, because what's beautiful about it is that he pretty much wrote blog posts before blogs were a thing because this book is from like the early 90s. And like he has, there's four sections to it, which we're that's how we're going to do this show. There's going to be four sections um, that we we cover those four sections. But inside there, he's got like 50 chapters and you're like 50 chapters. That's crazy. But each chapter is like four to six paragraphs. Some of them are even like one or two. And it's just such great wisdom that you can start and stop at any point. You can pick it up at any point. Um, Actually reading through this, I can't wait. Like this is going to be a book I want to read with my son when he's like 12 or 13. So if you have like someone who's at that influential stage and you're trying to build great character into them, I think this book is a is an excellent one to start with as well. So anything else that you would add just as a book as an overall or, or John Wooden himself, Peter? Yeah,
2: I read this in college. Um, it had a huge impact on my life. And I'd also say this Um, just, you know, John Wooden won, I believe it's like eight championships in 10 years. So there's some success there. But I think what's more important to us, and we'll talk about competition later is how he did it um we won't talk about he's yeah. not perfect but I think it's important for us to kind of compare and contrast at least the proverbs of leadership that he's bringing out based on Christian values
1: yeah yeah it's really awesome too to see how much his faith has influenced the way in which he leads others mm-hmm. um, which is something that I just didn't expect to appreciate I, I actually didn't know that until I read this book and how much of how much his faith influenced the way in which he led others mm-hmm. but hey let's you yes. Let's dive into this book, Peter. So like I mentioned before, this book has four parts to it. And so we're going to cover all four of those parts. The four parts are, the first one part is about family, values, and virtues. The second one is success, achievement, competition. Third one is coaching, leading, and teaching. And the fourth one is pyramid of success. So I think what we said before, what's great about this is that this is a book not about basketball. Um, You you would think a guy who's won as many championships as you've done, he's going to come in here and tell you, hey, we run these systems, we do this. It is all about creating great character and and helping people achieve to the best of their ability uh, which is phenomenal so let's start with the first part families values and virtues what would you say is a a core thing that this was trying to communicate uh, that coach Wooden was trying to communicate
2: yeah I I just want to tell a quick story about I I don't think it's in the book but just because I know a lot about John Wooden before every game he would look at his wife in the stands Nell and I think it was just blow her kiss and I think about that you know and I think About our conversation about Jeff Henderson, um, you know, you saw someone that saw more than success and winning, and we'll talk more about competition, but yeah, you know, this is who he is, and so I think that that's important for us to remember whether it's small groups, whether it's basketball, whether it's our jobs, like there are things that are more important, and he modeled that and lived that,
1: yeah, I think that's. A big part of this section too is, is is he him teaching, you know, the values of like, you know, it's great winning these championships, but like, am I a great husband? Am I a great father? Like titles that are, are more important to him than am I a great basketball coach. Um, so I love that that's like how this book starts. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and trying to help people bring him back to the core. So I mean, you know, he talks about his faith uh with God in that that first section and, and the important that faith plays into it. Um, but then I think he also, which is a phenomenal thing is that He talks about um, this theme that's going to run through this whole book and it comes from his dad um, and it's his father's advice. So let me read you his father's advice. It says, set your standards high, namely do the absolute best at which you're capable. Focus on running the race rather than winning it. Do those necessary, do the things necessary to bring forth your personal best and don't lose sleep worrying about the competition. Let the competition worry about you. Teach your organization to do the same. And I think that's that's one of these things that you're gonna see come throughout this the rest of this book with the value of, you know, doing the best you can. Don't worry about your competitors and then try to teach others this. I think that's another beautiful thing that, you know, I didn't realize until I just said that out loud, but he he isn't just it's not stopping with you. Like I love that he has that thing of like, all right, I'm going to teach you this, but I also want you to teach others to do the same.
2: But I would I would push back and yeah. kind of say his big theme is lead yourself well. Um there's a book The Leadership Challenge by Kouzes yeah. and Postners. One of their characteristic of leaders is model the way, and you'll see this consistent everywhere. Um Google his practice notes. And he led with disciplined. And as we talk about the Cream Abdul Jabars, the Bill Waltons, who are characters, like they saw a consistency in him that even though they had different perspectives, they still followed. And so I I think that that's kind of even the important part of our families. Like, are you leading um, as a mother or a father? Are you leading your family well? Are you leading you know your marriage well as a husband or a wife? And I think that that's really really important because you have to lead yourself
1: first. Yeah, totally. And then one other thing I think from this section that, that really stood out to me, I, I really appreciated this other quote that's in there. He, he talks about friendship and the importance that plays um, in, the, in an individual's life and says, don't take friendship for granted. Friendship is giving and sharing of yourself. If just one side works at it, it isn't friendship. You must work at friendship. Make it a fine art. Go more than halfway. It is two-sided, just like marriage. Someone is not a good friend because he or she does good things for you all the time. It's friendship when you do good things for each other. It's showing concern and consideration. Friendship is so valuable and so powerful and we take it for granted, but we shouldn't. I think this one is enormously important inside our small groups, especially if you're a small group leader. Um, it's one of the things I'm trying to watch out for inside my groups is to make sure that everybody is participating in caring for one another. Because man, one of those toxic things that can happen in your group is you have that same, that that person who comes to group and they just dump everything that they have and they get the care they need and then they disappear. And then when things come back and they're back again, right? And it's just trying to help them realize like, Hey, like, yeah, some weeks it's going to be you, you Tom, that we're going to need to focus on you, but I need you here to be every single week because we don't know when it's going to be uh, uh Taylor's time that we need to pour into Taylor. So those are the kind of things I think uh, are, are important. And maybe this is a good, good quote that you can pass along to them to show them like, Hey, like we're trying to build friendship in here and, and encourage one of and it's going to take all of us inside of this together. Anything you would add to that, Peter?
2: So one thing I loved about John Wooden is as you listen to players and even coaches after him, uh, like they all talked about the letters Mm. he wrote, the time he spent with people. And these are people that you could be insecure about, like they're taking over your job. And I think about that for coaches. Um, We call them small group coordinators. You know, it's important to have those relationships that work together. And, you know, as we kind of go into competition at some point too, you know, Simon Sinek, Talks about infinite games, and I think that that's kind of even helpful for us. That you know we can have some rivals in our small group ministry, but it's the friendships it's that bring us together. And I think that that's really, really important as we live out the gospel.
1: Awesome. So let's move on, Peter. Let's go to part two. So part two is success, achievement, and competition. And so this is where he's really trying to build out that that bigger, broader definition of success um, that uh, is. Is, you know, what everyone kind of tells him constantly what he is because he's this champion. And so like he, people want to know like, oh, what is it that makes you successful? So these are some of the things that he really dives into and, and what helps him to be successful. Peter, do you want to go first and share something that, that you picked out from this part that, that, that you learned about success?
2: I think the thing that really stuck out to me was the four P's. Uh, and the four P's are planning, preparation, practice, and performance. And you can apply those to small groups. You can apply those to your job. But I, I think it gives us a great framework. Um, we talk about organic structure. So in small groups, you want to have structure mm-hmm. so that you can break the rules. You know, you can't have this beautiful emotional moment if you're in a small group and icebreaker lasts an hour. Um, you also can't like talk about scripture yeah. if people don't know what the scripture is so I think that that framework to so planning preparing practice and performance that allows you to evaluate and again I, I want to come back to this but Google his practice, schedule. Like he saved all of those notes. And I think it's important for us as small group leaders. How is that applicable to us? This wasn't someone that just won, you know, multiple championships and basically dominated the sixties and the seventies. No, this was someone that as he would say, make every day your masterpiece. And it was by doing those four P's.
1: Yeah, and the thing I'll add in there too that that was really great is that um, I talked about earlier about my my coach. This was a phrase that he used over and over again. So from like fourteen to eighteen, I heard this about a hundred times. But it's failing to prepare is preparing to fail. And uh, I looked it up because I have Kindle when I read this, and this book that's that quotes in this book four or five times, um, which is just telling you how much this is just a mantra that that lives in his life. But I think it's one that's really great as it applies to small groups because I think too often it can be really easy for us and easy for group leaders to start winging it and trying to think like, oh, well, you know what? I'll just put together my plan when I get there at 8 p.m. tonight, right? Um, You know, they're going to show up and it's the same sort of routine, but if you want to take them somewhere, you're going to need a plan, right? Um, If you don't, you don't know where you're going to end up. And so I think that's one of the ways I'd love to encourage you know, group directors and group leaders is like, do you know where you want to go with your group? And I think trying to put together some sort of plan of of what it is that you want to do. Um, and then those for the directors too, I would say too. Like, you know, I, I know we all sometimes get frustrated that people are coming back to us all the time, being like, hey, what curriculum can I do? What curriculum should I do? And I think like giving them a pathway or giving them something that that allows them to think through, like, all right, what are the needs of my my group and and where are the resources that I can find that I think think are a, a great way to set up your, your leaders to have success
2: we started this year with a discipleship pathway to share just kind of what you said with um, having groups plan the year. And, mm-hmm. you know, it went well for the first year, but part of it too is the consistency, like we're already talking about next year. And I think as small group leaders, you know, we can kind of go whim to whim, but i even, I'd say this to senior pastors also, like if your main discipleship environment is small groups and you want them to serve, like you can't, like small groups need... A six month runway. Like, hey, we're going to do this huge serve opportunity. You and your groups need to to plan this now. And I think that that happens with churches. And I I don't blame point people or senior pastors or discipleship pastors. You know, Sunday's always coming, but that's why it's even more important to know hey, where are we going as a small group ministry? Where are we going as a church? Because when you have a healthy small group ministry, they respond and they become your key communicators. And I think they begin to model the way for other people.
1: Yeah, that, that's really great. I, I think you're totally right, by the way, on that six months runway. I had, I had never considered that when you said that. I'm like, oh, I really need to build that in. And it's interesting, too. Like, that's another thing, I think, with like, if you can get together with your core staff and talk about some of these things that are coming, I think it's really hard for our leaders when we're constantly making these almost violent decisions of like, all right, our church is completely focusing on this now. And it's just like, hey, if you would give us like even three months to like think about, hey, what would be the best way that we? could bring this concept into our groups, like you'll have so much more success at the way in which you want to um, grow and develop the people of your community and your church. So, um, Another one that stuck out to me, and it, I think it bleeds into both of these sections. So I'm going to switch us over to part three. So part three is about coaching, leading and teaching. But one of the ones I really appreciated that he shared about is that, um, is that a leader is and this is the quote he has: "Fairness is giving all people the treatment they earn and deserve. It doesn't mean treating everyone alike. That's unfair because everyone doesn't earn the same treatment." I think this one's super important when it comes to leading groups, and then also leading leaders of of groups because every single person is going to be different. And so, when it comes to caring for people, there isn't like one size fits all. Um, and I think I also wonder, Peter. I wonder if this is what is our challenge when it comes to coaching. I know so many groups programs. Really struggle to figure out coaching, and I wonder if part of that is that the systems we try to build for it are, are sort of one size fits all, and that's not necessarily always going to be the best way um, to to handle you know the majority of our situations. Yeah, Any
2: thoughts on and, that, Peter? You know what I love about this is again we're going to use the basketball as a metaphor. So you have star players as small group leaders, and and I I don't say that pejoratively, but you know the person that's been leading small groups for twenty years, um, they might not want to go to your huddles. They might not respond to your emails. So I think it's important before um one of the things he said was use the carrot, not the rod. So I think it's important to how are you motivating, influencing them? And also like what's your bare minimum? So again, if if a really famous basketball player like Bill Walton showed up late, he's not going to over discipline, but there's a way to hold people accountable versus the 12th person on the bench. And I and I say that because I think sometimes we want our experienced small group leaders to act like first-time small group leaders, whereas we have some other options. And I think too, even the way I'm thinking about it is there's consistency, number one. But when I invite a long-time small group leader to a huddle, what I'm saying to them is you're modeling for these newer small group leaders what that looks like. You have value, yeah. you have experience. And I think that that also helps our coaching too. For coaching, you know, we call them coordinators. You might spend an enormous, amount of time with new leaders, but checking in once a year, Hey, how's it going in your small group Uh, with the older leaders? I think that that's helpful too. And it just gives us what's the base that you're looking for. And then on top of the base, how do I need to treat small group leaders fairly by maybe catering to their needs, not necessarily my system?
1: Yeah, that's great. Do you, do you tell them at all those, those veteran leaders that, you know, you're looking for them to kind of model the you know, way I'm by starting chance? I'm to
2: say it a little bit more. Um, you know, what's funny is to sometimes the leaders that don't respond to our emails, um, and don't respond to stuff. I find out that actually, even in their experience, their scuttlebutt around their small group, that they actually need support. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a fascinating situation. When I came to Browncroft eight years ago, I inherited like 50 small groups. And like when you inherit small groups, Mm -hmm. there wasn't a person uh, that was full time in my position um, for about two years. So you think about that, it takes a while to turn the oil tanker around. And now we have some of that, but also I had Mm -hmm. to be consistent with those leaders and they had to be like, this guy isn't just trying the new small group fangled ideas. Um, that's something else that uh, that Wooden talks about is like not jumping to every new idea, but doing some of the tried and true things, and that's how you gain respect with those leaders as a coach, as a point person, as a pastor.
1: Yeah, one of the things I do that's been super helpful. I, don't, I think I may have said this on the I'll share this on the podcast board. I I don't directly tell them that, but I think about them when I'm trying to to put together our trainings because where I want to where I want I want to utilize that knowledge that they have because they your your group leaders, especially your new ones, they're going to expect you to share with them like all these different tips and stuff. It's a completely another level when when it's somebody when it's another leader that tells them like, yeah, here's something that I'm doing inside of my group. And this is, this is how it's working inside of that. Like it just brings so much truth to the things that we're trying to teach. So I try to find ways in which I can utilize their experiences. Um, so you talked about like getting them into huddles. That's one of the main things I do. Huddles is really just trying to set up those, those, um, existing group leaders to kind of teach the newer ones. Um, and then wh- one of the other ways I've found that's been super helpful is putting in scenarios for them to walk through, because it's interesting. Uh, I've gotten some really good feedback from our veteran leaders as well. They really love the different scenarios where like, you know, you might be doing a uh, a lesson on how to encourage people to take next steps. Well, you give them a next step scenario that might seem realistic inside their group and they're able to play that out and role play with it. And And that's been another way. So that's, that's really great that you, 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 uh, um, you shared that Peter because that brought up the other thing of, of just really trying to engage them and, and be a part of that and um, with that so anything else from the coaching leading and teaching Peter that, yeah, that stood out you to know, you? I'd
2: go back to your friendship thing you know would not walk this fine line of being a friend but also being a coach to players and they respected him for that and so I, I think it's important as we coach lead and teach like there is a boundary there but you have to build a relationship and build a relationship with trust you know he took time Even to talk about criticism. You know, how do you give criticism? How do you receive criticism? Those were cultural norms that were there. And, you know, the last thing I'll say is, you know, Wooden, for as successful as he was, he had two assistant coaches that would want to try new things. And even if he disagreed with it, he tried them. He at least gave Hmm. the ideas a chance. And I, I I think we have to fight ourselves to think that we're the only ones with the great ideas. We're the only ones with sometimes, um, you know, a half executed idea or a half thought out idea that's executed well is better than a great idea not executed well. That's what one of my mentors would say. So I think that kind of the way Wooden thought about criticism, the way he thought about feedback, the way he thought about consensus, like I think that those are important indicators for just the small group ministry as a whole. How are you receiving that? Are you, are you really knowing what's going on on the ground level?
1: Yeah, that's that's really great. The the other thing that I really picked up from from the section two that was just a really great reminder, one that's just like I read it and you just know it's true. And and just like, yeah, thank you for that reminder, Coach Wooden, was he said people learn more effectively if information is given and given in bite size amounts rather than everything at once. And so he was talking about like when new players come in or new people join the team, he tries to not overload them all at once with everything he tries to, to give them in bite size amounts rather than them learning it all at once. And I think this is a big mistake that I make from time to time where if I fall off being consistent, consistent with my communication with leaders, what ends up happening is you then end up making up with it with like a five paragraph email of just like, hey, here's all the little leadership notes and tips that I want to give you. And here's the things that are coming down the road. And man, even as I say this, I'm sure you're like, oh, that is my church comms teams. Like we're promoting like 14 things every weekend and all this stuff. And I just think like if we can be more, more clear and just hit them on a more consistent basis. It's one of those things that'll that'll help them so much more retain what it is that you're trying to get across. So Peter, anything color you would add to that?
2: So if you listen to Bill Walton, uh, who's a basketball player, he's going to be, I think, in March Madness or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. They'll all tell the same story. The first thing you learned in Coach Wooden's practice is how to tie your shoes. And then he talked about tucking in your shirt. And there's a clarity in those simple things. So I'd encourage our small group leaders, what are the tying the shoes things? You know, uh, I think about this. Is it, is it clear? Yeah. Uh, do we take our shoes off when we come to your house or do we leave them on? Is it clear? Hey, park over here, um, things like that. So, as coaches, you know, is it clear? Hey, you know, have you read the passage that you're going to talk about? Um, Have you looked at the group guide? You know, these very Hmm. simple, basic things that actually make a huge difference
1: awesome cool and let's hit the last section which is something that Coach Wooden is probably most notorious for or most known for other than his championships is his pyramid of success Um, which I I gotta be honest I've seen a ton and have never truly understood it until I read this book which is is good so I don't know how much that says about the pyramid that it's not kind of self sufficient but it also could be that like Nick you're just not that smart (laughs) All right, I'm gonna do my best if you're listening to this this might be a little challenging so I would encourage you we're gonna put this in the show notes, but Wooden's Pyramid. If you just Google that, this will come up. It's called Pyramid of Success. And there are five levels to it. And so the first one is, uh, and it's these different kind of qualities and he has little phrases that go with them, but it's industrious, friendship, loyal, cooperation, and enthusiasm is like the base level. These are the the things that you need to have as an established foundation. Um, The next is self-control, alertness, initiative, and intentiveness. Um, The third level is what he calls the heart level, um, which is condition, skill, and team spirit. The next one is poise and confidence. And then the last one is competitive greatness. So I got to be honest, when I first saw this and read this, I just I was just thought it was like a way to put in like 15 things. I didn't realize they build off of each other and that like in order to get to the next level, you need to complete the other ones. But to me, the one that really jumped out to me reading this one that was just like a really great like callback, like, you know what, Nick, that's probably a weakness in your pyramid, but mine is the self-control. Um, and this is what really jumped out to me. It says you can't function physically or mentally unless you're emotionally under control. Complaining whining, making excuses just keeps you out of the present. And that's where self-control comes in. Self-control keeps you in the present strive to maintain self-control. I I really love that. I have a, a mutual friend of ours, Peter, Tommy, we were just talking this past weekend and we were talking about how the, uh, the past and the future and, and how, uh, anxiety plays a part of those two things, but really like we're only constantly in the present. And so, uh, I think actually Wooden talks about this too, is where we can't go back and change what happened to us in the past. Right. Like you have no control of what happened to you. And at the same time, you necessarily can't go, you don't know what's coming in the future. And all that you can currently do is control what's there in in the in the present. And so who are you gonna be in that present? Um, and and I think for me it's just it's one of those things where I, I think is is an area where I could just do a lot of growth in in and making sure that my emotions are under control. I think as some of you have heard in this podcast, I'm an eight, which means I can lead very aggressively at times, which which means that my emotions might not always be under control. But Peter, anything that that when when you look at this pyramid that jumps out to you or things that you want to share with our listeners?
2: If you Google this, you'll notice that faith and patience go up the pyramid uh, also. And, you know... I think spiritual growth personally is is a love of patience. Um, I don't know if anyone told you you're not supposed to pray for patience. That's all a hill of beans. Just pray for it. But you know, for you to spiritually grow personally, it takes prayer, Bible reading, listening to God. That's really, really boring stuff. And it's the same thing with small groups. Like when you're in a small group, they don't always feel awesome. Um, and then it takes a lot when you're a small group point person or a pastor or a director because these ministries, you know, they do don't, it doesn't always feel like you're growing. And I I think of how patience holds the the pyramid together. And I think even what you're saying too of the past and the future is that when you have a plan, when you're prepared, um, you're moving in a direction. And, you know, I think we've talked about this, the, the thought of a small group point person or kind of the perception can kind of be whack-a-mole where it's like, we're just hitting problems to hit problems. Whereas we have an opportunity to be planned ahead, yeah. not just with what we're studying, but even even thinking about this does your small group ministry have a focus for this year you know is your small group ministry hey we're focused on yeah. praying together we want to do that better hey our small our small group ministry we're focused this year on doing things outside the group meeting because that's going to help us that takes patience um you don't just wake up one day and do that and so one thing I <clears throat> just a little practice if you were to ask me what's the most important thing that I've done since starting at browncroft I send a weekly email and I've done that for the past eight years it goes to our small group leaders on Friday. It's our key communication and <clears throat> it doesn't feel great. And I have it on MailChimp. And when I first started sending out through MailChimp, it was a 20 to 30% reading, which is like average, but out of the consistency, it's gone up to 40 yeah. to 50%. And I think about that, that is churches are notorious for the next great idea, let's do it. Whereas I think many churches need to think, let's do, let's do a couple things really, really, really well and consistently so that we can move our people together. And that takes patience.
1: I think the other thing to to recommend, like we just talked about the failing to prepare, preparing to fail. The thing I would tell you is like, have a game plan with that stuff as well. So it's one thing to to be consistent with it. But when you, this is so important when you get started, like know what your next like five to eight are going to be, because that'll help you get to that consistency, right? Um, I've learned that with this podcast alone of just like you start off. And it's just like, I think I know where I'm going. But I, where I, when I'm at my best at getting these recorded is I know what the next series of books are going to be. I know who I'm going to be talking to, those kind of things. When I start to panic is when, when I don't have any of those lined up and, 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 and that. But um, would, would you agree with that, Peter? Is it, is it helpful for you when you know like, all right, this is the kind of path I'm going to go because then it's going to help me get into that consistency rhythm?
2: I think people think that when you're too far planned ahead that you're stuck in a box. And let me use Why Got Why as an example. You know, we're a weekly podcast and we're about eight episodes ahead. Now, I don't always tell the guests like when their episodes airing. and I kind of tell them where, but when you're eight episodes ahead, you actually have freedom to switch it up. So, you know, let's say, let's say, yeah. you know, there's a topic on like feeling busy. I've heard seven people come to me and say, hey, I'm feeling busy. It's not that hard to rearrange the podcast order to do that. Um, and so I think that's the yeah. same thing with small groups. You know, what are you communicating? What are the big issues? And, you know, I'd start here. This goes back to the foundation of of the pyramid, which is relationship. And so if you're building loyalty, you're building friendship, you're going to be aware of what your small group leaders need. You have a platform, you know, to communicate, to do that. Yeah. And you do that consistently. You build credibility and trust. And I think that that's what John Wooden did. And that's what he's preaching and teaching to us in this book.
1: I would say, too, like to you were talking about like being eight ahead and i think it goes back to the other principle of like give the the bite sizes in that sense but the other thing that goes with it is like if you can batch these things as well where like all right i'm going to spend a day and i'm going to write out eight leadership tips Right or be able to 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 clarify on that like that's what gives you that freedom to let it go where it needs to as opposed to like trying to constantly be creative. One of the phrases I love that our my pastor Pastor Chris High says is be creatively consistent, not constantly creative. Like so so often we're constantly trying to be creative and try to figure it out rather than like how can we creatively get consistent. And I think that that plays right in.
2: One quick thing I re- want to remind you of is that that John Wooden didn't win a championship Till after, I think it was 15 years. So I think that that's important too, uh, because (laughs) we think we step into a job with small group ministry and we're going to change the culture in a year. Yes. You know, most of the time, whether you're, whether you're a point person as a volunteer, point person as a coach, a point person as a small group leader, like you're signing up for five years. There's, you know, I'll give this example. When I first started at Browncroft, people used to tell me that idea is dumb. Like I'm not going to do it. And now where I'm at is people say, I don't like that idea, but I'm willing to try it because I know that you're consistent. And so I think that that's important for us as leaders, especially in small group ministry, it's a decentralized ministry. So you have to work that much harder be that much more patient and uh, to see culture change like that
1: yeah yeah I think that plays perfectly into January's episode of Atomic Habits just building little off little Um, you saying that just Reminded me like how many dinner groups have I led? So we do dinner groups here at Hope and Grace, a small group. Um, and the current group I have is like literally one of the best groups that I've ever led. And um, I realize how much grace is involved in the group the group being there. But there's there's certain things I've learned that have built the environment to allow it to grow and thrive that it has. And while you were just talking that, I was like, wonder how many groups have I led? So I did fourteen times fifty two because we meet every single week. And so I've led seven. 128 group right and so like over that time it takes that consistency of doing it every single day so building that consistency in there is is huge so don't give up yet if you're not there um you will get there uh just one one week at a time right peter
2: well, as Malcolm Gladwell said, you know, it's the law of 10,000 hours, like you're not an expert in something. Yeah. Have you done that book? I shouldn't, or I forget which one it is, but I
1: haven't, but I love Malcolm. Gladwell. I can't believe he hasn't been an episode yet. So maybe that's your next time on Peter
2: drop. There we go. <laughs>
1: Awesome. Well, Peter, let's head into the lightning round. Um, this is where we wrap up our show. But is there another book that you've read recently that's had an impact on your leadership? I
2: just finished reading Coach K by Ian O'Connor. Um, again, don't just read it for the basketball sense, but you know, it, it really delves into this legend is a very human person. His mentor, Bobby Knight, and him had an strange relationship. Um, even his mentees had an strange relationship. Um, but I mean, the book starts with the story of a former player that he tried to help out this wasn't even a star player he's from army and right before he died he had to call coach k and say hey coach i didn't give up so there's a lot of there's a little bit more of authenticity and um wow just the power that's yeah. there. So that that's the book that
1: I just finished. You think even Duke haters would enjoy it? I think there's a lot of them.
2: I think, you know, you have to kind of get over yourself, even if you hate a certain school to at least <laughs> read it.
1: And I'm going to, you didn't ask for this. I'm going to plug it. Peter's a great social media follow. Uh, one of the things he's always doing is is sharing the stack of books he's got coming. So what's one of those ones in that stack that you're looking forward to coming up, Peter?
2: So we just interviewed Rusty George, who's from Real Life Church in California, and he wrote a book called After Amen. And the focus of that book is not just praying, but Jesus actually commands people to do things after they pray. And he wrote it actually out of pain in his life, um, where he was talking about just some crisis that were going on in the church. And he felt like, did I pray right? Did I not say this? And he had a lot of people ask about that. So I'm, you know, I just started it this week. Um, It's a pretty powerful book.
1: Yeah, that reminds me me a lot. Uh, One of the books I read ages ago uh, was Becoming the Answers to Our Prayers. I think Chin Claiborne writes it. Um, and it just focuses on John 14, 15, 16, and 17 of Jesus's prayers. And it was just super impactful. But being the guy that I am, my personality type of of being this doer, it it was uh, it's just so encouraging to hear like, oh, this is what Jesus has sort of led into us. So I'll be excited to hear what, what you learned from uh, Rusty George on that book, though. So. Peter, thank you so much for being with us today.
2: So glad to be here. Thanks for having me back on, Nick.
1: Awesome. Be sure to check out Peter on his own podcast, Why God Why. It's phenomenal it's on YouTube. It's pretty much everywhere. Um, Even hop on that email. I enjoy getting to hear what's coming ahead. Um, Peter's also, like I shared earlier, great social media follower. And especially if you're a small group director, check out how Peter is engaging people. It is really like we could have him on just to talk about digital strategy alone. Um, It's really great at what he does. But um, so be sure to follow him there. Well, I'm Nick Lenzi, and I want to thank you for listening with us. Thanks to Peter for sharing your experiences. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. As for Reading Lens, there is a chance this might be the final episode or more likely the end of the season of the show. I haven't decided yet, but what I have decided is that I'm going to take a small break, recharge and come back with something even better. Um, I have a few ideas floating around of what I'd like to do, and I think it's going to be really similar to Reading Lens, but something that allows us to get beyond just books. So um, be sure to check out Small Group Network. We'll have our updates there. But until next time, remember, leaders are readers. Take care, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to Group Talk. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast through iTunes and get new episodes downloaded automatically.